Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Neil Manthorpe and over the next hour or so I'll be joined as always by former England fast bowler Steve Harmison to look back at the second round of the county championship and what a round it was. We'll uh, discuss big wins for Hampshire and Gloucestershire, uh, debate why there's been so many runs scored in the first two rounds and pick out some of the other standout performances from the week. And we'll also be joined by Warwickshire all-rounder, the evergreen Tim Bresnan and Essex head coach Anthony McGrath. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Army, as I said, big wins for Hampshire and Gloucestershire, who are the only two teams to have won uh, their, uh, their both their first two games, and Warwickshire chasing down 333. But um, it was the Essex uh, win that we're going to hear from uh, Anthony McGraw in just a moment. What a, what a win that was, being bowled out for 96 and then winning by 44 runs. Yeah, I thought my my old club and Scott Borthwick, first their first hundred as captain. Um, I thought he was going to get his first win as captain. I thought they were a shoe in for a win after dear one. I thought I was going to have to eat some humble pie when I seen Leicestershire was three hundred and twenty five uh, on first innings against Surrey. I thought I'm going to have to get Nico to come on and say sorry to the to the Leicester boys, but good effort from the Leicester boys as well. They did they did brilliantly um, to, on a, on a you know, good surface, what looked like a good surface at the Oval um, and international players came out. But yeah, you're right, Gloucestershire. You know, what a win that is. And, you know, small counties, we always talk about big guns and big players and big counties and England players and stuff like that. Well, there's one potential England player could be coming out of Gloucester very, very soon. He's been away for six months in a bubble, James Bracey. Potential... Question mark on whether Dominic Sibley is not going to, you know, he got a finger injury, didn't bat in either innings for Warwickshire. In that magnificent win, which Tim Bresnan will probably talk about very, very soon. Um, and James Bracey might have just said, right, if Dom Sibley misses the first test, first two test matches through injury, then uh, I've got the runs on the board to, uh, to, to sort of 
yeah, potentially state came for his place. So well done, Gloucester. Well done, James Bracey. Yeah, Hampshire as well. So yeah, again, another another good week for the batters. And it'll be interesting to talk to Anthony McGraw and whether somebody who's been around a while and Tim Bresnan, who's been around a while, about the surfaces, because it's not your typical English, you know, run up, stick it somewhere near off stump and let the ball do the talking. There's been a lot of runs scored and possibly because of the dryness of the surface, the pitches have been better. And that's great for, for cricket, great for the standard of English cricket. Um, and the batters have duly obliged with some, uh, some big, big scores, Manners. Yeah, just if anybody missed it, Bracey um, batted at three for, for Gloucester and made 118 and then 83 not out as he steered the run chase um, successfully at Gloucestershire, winning by eight wickets. I'd like to mention Ryan Higgins as well. I remember when he moved a couple of years ago from Middlesex, yeah. he wanted he wanted to bat six. He wanted to play as a genuine all-rounder and get more exposure in all three formats. Gloucester said, we'll give it to you. I mean, big call to as a youngster to, to leave Middlesex. Um, He's and, done well and as well, man. He, he got 60-odd first-class wickets, I think, last year. So yeah. if I remember right, I was at the year before. I'm not sure. I'm never sure with the COVID stuff what year was <laughs> which. But to be, to be fair, he got 60-odd wickets, and that's, that's, a, that's a big big bag of wickets, that. So good on him. And he took four for 29 um, yeah. in the second innings here against Somerset. So um, big ups to him. Uh, let's concentrate on the Essex um, victory now because it was an absolute thriller. Uh, it had uh, all the ingredients of, um, well, it had all the ingredients, as you said, Harmy, of a Durham win at the halfway stage. Absolutely. <laughs> but but um, delighted to say that we're joined now by Essex coach Anthony McGrath. Well, you bowled out for 96 and uh, you go on and win by 44 runs. There's, there's so many questions I need, I wanted to ask you individually. There's the ninth wicket partnership, of course, between Ben Allison and Sam Cook. Uh, that added 53. That was uh, in itself more than the winning margin. But but my question is, it just smacks of a team that knows how to win. Do you know what I mean? You get bowled out for 96. And, you know, most, most teams that aren't in the winning habit think, well, we've got no chance now, especially when uh, you're up against a, uh, a Durham reply with 259. I mean, you're really up against it there. But I guess Essex know how to win. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a fantastic comeback and win, but... I wouldn't be happy with that performance, our performance on the first day every game, being bowled out for 96, that is for sure. And look, we, we referred to that after the game, that we've got to be better for, for longer periods. But having said that, we've been in scrapes over the last few years and you know I think we're unbeaten now in, in a couple of years, especially at Chelmsford. So the team, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of plaudits and rightly so, you know, the very good individuals, but I think the, the key to everything is they're a very close-knit team and they believe they can win from any position. Mags, I mean, you had a conversation possibly about six months ago about England and, you know, what it's like, you know, Essex and stuff like that. And the name cropped up because nobody really knew too much about him. And that was Dan Lawrence. Dan Lawrence, he got 32 in the first and 70-odd in a winning second second innings. We talked about how, what, a, what the Y4s and where going going abroad for the winter, how much do you think he's learned and come back uh, not only a better individual person, but a better player for the experience he's had over the last sort of, six months? He has, and you know yourself, Harmie, more than anyone. I think being around better players, the longer you are, you're going to learn. I mean, he's absolutely loved his winter. I think he played more than he thought he would have done before he set off um, you know, in Sri Lanka and then India. But I think, you know, I think I mentioned his character last time. You saw him in Sri Lanka and India on very 
tough wickets. You know, he was it's the tempo of his innings, the way he took the challenge, he was smiling very much himself. So I think his character really shined through. But I think what we've noticed since he's come back is um, he's starting test cricket. You know, I think he believes he belongs at that level and uh, he's, you know, he's very confident at the moment. Um, so he's looking to just really post some big scores for us, which obviously, as you know, if your individuals are getting runs, it can only help the team. Talking about you know, sort of helping the team and go and winning, I've found, you know, we, we, you know, we, we found so far this summer, we ex- not the typical April English conditions. It's a lot drier. My golf club, my cricket club looks like what it is in June. And we've got to talk about over the winter about the art of spin bowling. And you've got somebody who is very experienced in Simon Harmer. You've got 10 wickets in the game. But how do you, as a coach, assess where you know, the, the, the English summer is when it comes to surfaces and the, the conditions that these guys are playing in? Because we've seen a lot of runs scored. And I, I put it down last week to possibly the bowlers not having the miles in their legs in pre-season because of COVID and the way it's going. But it seems to have gone that little bit further. Is it the pitches are, just seem to be a lot better because they're a lot drier? Yeah, honestly, Ham, I've never seen pitches as dry for this time of year. I mean, Chelmsford in particular normally nibbles about with a new ball and then it turns. Um, but our first game against Worcestershire, the pitch readings were drier than when we started last August. So wow. that gives you a, a gauge of where we're at. And the pitch against Durham was even drier than that. So it, it's amazing. I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's just so dry. And the groundsman, um, you know, is trying to get water on on the, the whole pitch, um, you know, on the outfield. But it's just, you know, just so, so dry. Um, so I think that's one. I think you raise a good point about the COVID. I mean, most guys play in the winter um, or the training from November. We go on pre-season tours and have two, three weeks away. Then we have three or four games. So ourselves, we only came back mid-February and started training uh, cricket-wise in March. So I think you raise a good point on on maybe the miles in the legs with the bowlers. But I, I think it's more the pitches, mate, to be honest. I think they're just mm. so dry. And, um, you know, normally in April, you win the toss and bowl. Or we would do it at Chelmsford. And, and we've won the toss twice and batted just because it's so, so dry and you know, we've got someone like Simon Armour who, who you know, want, you want bowling on that last innings. And just to go back to the to the game against Durham, it was, you know, a, a man has mentioned, a, a team who have, have won games from, you know, losing causes before. You know, what does that give you going forward and potentially trying to retain the, the Bob Willis trophy? Yeah, a lot of confidence. I mean, you know, we were disappointed against Worcester um, because we posted a big score and we're hoping for results. I think that's how far we've come. You know, we're expecting to win every game. But as you know, in any sport, it doesn't go like that. We we know we come up against teams that are, are wanting to beat us and, and trying to knock, and, knock us off our, our kind of perch, if you like. So we've just got to keep working hard. But as a coach, when you see a performance like that last week, especially when you know, we're behind the eight ball. It gives you a great deal of, um, you know, confidence. So I think we've just got to start better and keep our standards, you know, all the way through throughout the game. But I must say, you know, credit to Durham. We haven't played against them for, for quite a while. And I was really impressed, you know, the mm. way they went about it. They've got some good young lads, the seam bowlers, really honest, really good bowling as a unit and some good young batters as well. So... Um, I were really impressed with Durham and they pushed us all the way. We were talking last week about how fantastic it is to be able to to have the streaming and to you know to dip in and out of various other matches. And 
I couldn't help uh, having my eye drawn to Bryden Cars. You mentioned uh, the the seamers, and he looked like he's got a bit of pace and quite a lot about him. Yeah, really, really good. First time I've seen him. I've seen him obviously on the stats stuff and uh, and watching his videos, but first time uh, up close running. <laughs> The third day was tough because it was very, very flat. The ball had gone soft, but um, it was carrying a bit of an injury as well. But good pace, good variety, and someone who I think complements Durham's uh, you know, attack really well. And if you talk about English, uh, normally dibbly-dobbly seamers, he's someone who's a little bit different. He can really bowl, you know, pitch it up and uh, nip it about. But when it goes flat, he can be aggressive and ball bouncers. So I thought it was uh, you know, really impressive this week. And a final word about, um, I mentioned the, the runs, the turns out vital match-winning runs at the, in the lower order. Is that uh, particularly important to you as a, as a coach that uh, you squeeze every last drop out of every last run, every last bit of commitment out of everybody? I suppose it helps having Sir Alistair and old guys like Ryan Tenderscato around setting the example. Well, it does when you're balled out for 96. You need all the runs you can get, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, I mean, the bat, the bowlers work really hard on, on the batting and Benny Allison's playing his second game, uh, you know, in for his bowling, but to perform like that with 50 and Sam Cook and Hammy will tell you what it's like as the bowlers, they want to be up the order. But yeah. um, when, when we needed them in them situations, you know, they came through for us. But yeah, I mean, joking apart, it's vital that everyone bats these days. You just never know when you need, need your full order. And if the top order don't kick in, then... Hopefully, you can scramble a few down there. And to be fair, Durham did that as well. They put on 100, I think, for the ninth wicket. Um, so these days, it's so, so important that everyone come back. And final final word on the, the format. Um, now, you're top of Group 1 alongside Warwickshire with 32 points each. You need to finish in the top two to get into Division 1. Uh, we're trying to explain the format. I think Harmi and I were explaining it to each other last week, trying to understand how it works. When you get into Division 1, you then play the other four teams you haven't played. And then you, there's also the Bob Willis Trophy, which you hopefully get to uh, defend. Uh, is it, uh, has everyone got their head around how it's all working? Well, I'm glad you explained it to me because I still don't understand what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, I'm not a big fan of it, but I, I don't want to say too much. I like the two divisions. I think the best should play the best. But yeah, I think that the top two go up and the, the team you go up with, you take half your points through or something like that to the next stage and then you play the four teams you haven't played whichever division you go into one two or three so hopefully we'll be in the top division and we can give that a crack and then the top two I think from division one at the end of September play the Bob Willis trophy so that's um, my understanding <laughs> of the competition <laughs> I, I, I hope that's right and forgive me if it's not but um yeah, I mean, look, last year was was different because of COVID. We know this year is is as well. So, you know, we've just got to get on with it. Any cricket's better than, than none. So we just follow the format as they are. And, of course, we want to win every competition. So last year's final was great against Somerset. We're hoping to be there again. And hopefully this time there'll be some spectators in there because I think, you know, everyone's looking forward to the day when we can uh, enjoy it with crowds back in. Mags, congratulations. It was a, a fabulous win. Um, you lost it on the first corner, but you managed to, uh, to straight, <laughs> straighten up. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Um, and it's Cheers. good to see the Essex machine still purring despite the cold. Thank you very much. Cheers.
You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll discuss the performances of some of the England players, particularly uh, Ollie Pope, 245. And uh, we'll also hear from Warwickshire all-rounder, the evergreen Tim Bresnan, after his unbeaten half-century helped them beat Nottinghamshire in another thriller at Trent Bridge. Listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison as we continue to review round two of the county championship. It was a brilliant week for the former England all-rounder Tim Bresnan, who struck an unbeaten 68 to help Warwickshire battle back and beat Nottinghamshire by three wickets at Trent Bridge. Earlier today, he spoke with Harmy about life at Warwickshire, life after Yorkshire, and the upcoming 100 tournament this summer. Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, what a week! What a fantastic game of cricket! You know, some experienced players playing in the in the game. Two big counties, Notts and Warwickshire, and I think the pressure to get you over the line with no dumb Sibley, three hundred and thirty-three. Tim Bresnan showed his experience at the end with a nice sixty-eight not out and in one of what what looked a fantastic game. It was actually um, it was a brilliant game of cricket. To be fair, we were saying on the last day like. There's a couple of twists left in this one yet. Mm. And it's one of those, you know, when you rock up to the last day and you're thinking, right, this is going to, it's going to go one or two ways. It's going to go to the wire or we'll be on the motorway by just after lunch. <laughs> um, Has the other wickets help that? Because what I look, I just look at my golf course and my local cricket club. It looks like June. Fairways look rock hard. Or fairways are rock hard. My local cricket club looks as though it's like June. Has that help the, the wickets? Well, it's not your traditional April wickets. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the, you know, the drier sort of pre-season time that the groundsmen had, they were all saying, like I know Gary at Edgebaston was saying, but it's, it's rock hard for this time of year. And also, I think the uh, the two heavy rollers now that are in play for county championship games have played a massive part because people are just putting runs on the board, aren't they? And the, you, know, the, you know, mentioned the experience in the game. You know, yourself being around a while, Brody being around a while. Was it good to play against some some old England teammates? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Brody. You know, we've been playing against each other and with with each other. We played with each other for best part of what seven, eight years, even longer if you count sort of England A and stuff like that. But yeah, it was nice to catch up with him and. Still got it, mate. He's yeah. still world world class. Doesn't um, matter what game he plays in, is it? No, nah, he ran in, mate. He he was trying his. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. Jacob's off <laughs> to, try get, to try and get a win for his team, which was great to see. You know, I mean, even when even when we needed 15 to win, he still you could tell he still had that belief and and fire in his eyes. He's like, I can get a trick. Like I can win yeah. it for my team. And, do you know what? It, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic challenge for me and the other lads as well. I remember, he, you know, he bowled an amazing spell at Sam Hain and he was like, that's that's the best that I've ever faced. I said, mm-hmm. mate, if you want to go up in the, if you want to go up in levels, that's, that's how it is. That's what you're going to get. You know, you've got to find opportunities to score. They don't come to you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I get it. And you talk about Sam here, and there is a, a lot of good noises about that young man. And somebody at the other end of the spectrum from yourselves and Brody, and that's young Ollie Stone. He had a he had a decent winter. I thought he, he did well when he played. 
is that a good thing for Folly Stone to first of all see that Brody's still running in at his age and yourself, he's doing well. And, and where's Ollie at the moment? I think he's got the world at his feet. I really yeah. do. If we can keep him fit and on the park and he can keep bowling the pace because his, his pace, honestly, it's, it's one of the quickest that I've seen. Mm. I mean, we're stood at, I'm stood at first slip and we're miles back. I'm thinking if he nicks it here, we're going we're gonna to have a job on catching this. But, you know, he's, he bowled superbly well uh, in both innings, really, but second innings. You know, the pitch had flattened out a little bit. He had to work slightly harder for his poles, but he, he just kept slamming away, slamming the wicket, and he got his rewards, you know. Got us some key wickets at key times to be able to, you know, peg them back when it looked like knots could, could have gone on and, and taken one form of result out of the game, which was a, was a Warwickshire win. And you, you talk about Warwickshire, you've gone from one massive county to another big county. Have you found that second season going? You know, Brezzy at, at Warwickshire after leaving Yorkshire? Yeah, I feel as though I'm finding my feet a little bit now. You know, it's difficult when you come in on loan, which I was last year. You know, you kind of you need a bit of time to get your feet under the table, you know, get learn the lads, you know, how they are, what, what they need. And also, you need to earn the respect of the dressing room as well. Like, yeah. even though even though someone might come in who thinks they carry a name, it, it matters for nothing, you know. You've still got to earn the respect of the boys that you're playing with. And, you know, that first first game hundreds kind of went a long way towards doing that. <laughs> but, like, I was quite relieved after that first game last year. But, you know, you've still got to, you've still got to perform and, you know, you've still got to be that influence around the boys, you know, the calming senior player that you need to be and you know, and Danny Briggs is doing that exactly right now. Um, yeah, another good week for Briggsy. Yeah, good week for Briggsy. He showed all his experience and class at the end. He, he literally, he knows his game inside out now. When mm. he came out bat, he was like, it was just, it filled me with, you know, a lot of confidence and mm. it took a lot of pressure off me to score because he, they were going at his pads and every time he, he just clipped them for four and it was like, right, this is definitely on now. We still mm. need to win, but, you know, we got this. Briggs is coming down the wicket, he's chatting, really calm. It's exactly what I needed at that time. And you mentioned Briggsy. Bridges, Briggs is in the 100 this year. I think he's down at Southern Braves. And you, what do you make of, of this whole concept of the 100? We spoke to Darren Stevens last week. And you're another one to go gauge on it because you've played the whole of, more or less, the whole of 2020 since it's been in format. Maybe he's missed the first couple of years. Uh, did we, first of all, do we need another another format of the game? Could we not have just done that in 2020 format? Or do you think the 100 is something that injection the cricket needs, first-class cricket, to, to sort of take you know, some of our young players to a new level? I, th- I think the competition as it is with the 100 balls and the change of rules and all this sort of stuff, I think it's clutching at straws a little bit. Basically, they've designed a product around what the TV wants and needs. You know, the TV have said they want a 90-minute, 120-minute product end-to-end that is all singing, all dancing, and all this and the other. I say, well, well, I didn't necessarily agree with that way around. I think if you'd have just done the sort of franchise system as it was, but not changed the rules, just had another T20 comp, Yeah, no, that works. You know, everyone knows the rules of that. They play. That's what they play in the IPL. That's what they play in the World Cup. That's what they. Everyone 
you know, the biggest tournaments around the world, that's what they're playing. And we, uh, we invented it. Yeah. If you remember rightly, I think it was, when was it? Way back in 2000 and... 2003, I think it was. Three, three, four. I remember playing the first, first year of it, to be honest. It was a giggle, um, wasn't it? It was a giggle and it was, it wasn't quite a beer match, was it? No. Like, like yeah. right, this is serious cricket. It's, yeah. it's a bit like league, you know, 18, eight balls on a, on a Wednesday night, but it, it was a lot of fun. The crowds got into it straight away. And I mean, maybe that'll happen for the hundred. And I hope it does because I think you're right. It's what the younger players need and all the best players in the world coming in. Well, you say all the best players in the world, you know, there's a few that were lucky to, to pick up gigs, in my opinion, but there you go. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's a learning experience for everyone and, Hopefully the game moves forward from it. Yeah, I agree. I, that, I don't, I, I'm interested and intrigued to see how it goes. I'd like the franchise at 2020 um, because we we know the game, understand the game, and, and it's gone from a hit and giggle to propping up the global game. It's it's you know financially it, it's it's brilliant for the global game. All the 2020 stuff, whether we cloud it in the water, I think time will tell and time will see. And I think something else that time will tell or see. Um, Warwickshire, Essex this week. Probably no Dom Sibley didn't bat in both innings at at, at the, during the the last game against Notts. How's yeah. Dom? And yeah, should England fans be worried? We're not sure yet. I think he was having a scan yesterday. I'm yet to, to talk to him about the results of that. Uh, and the medical team will have it. I'm sure all in thing. I think the reason he didn't he didn't bat was you know quite a big precaution. He was actually padded up to come in next. Yeah, you know, with us only needing. You know, ten or twelve runs. I think he would have seen that as a, you know, as a as a negotiable risk. But you know, to to go out and open the batting against a new new ball and Stuart Broad would have been, without knowing exactly what the damage was, yeah. if it had taken another hit, it could have been in a lot of trouble. So yeah, the risk was negotiated with the fact that he just took no part to no further part in the game, and it worked out okay. So we still won. So yeah, I think I think it'll be okay. It's one of those. To, as far as what the first X-ray showed, I think it's just a a little crack in his finger. Um, oh, fantastic. Rezzy, so. thanks very much for your time. All the best uh, against Essex this week and for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Dave. Thanks a lot. Well, he's uh, clearly enjoying life in Birmingham, uh, Harmy. Um, he said that the 100 is, is the ECB clutching at straws. You're... <laughs> Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I agree with what Tim was saying. Brilliant interview. He's, he's a great lad, Tim Bresman. He always feels as though he's been around, literally been around forever. He played for Yorkshire when he was 16, and he, you know, he played a lot. Men talked a lot about Stuart Broad there in positive terms. So that's good news for England. Played a lot of cricket, same similar age to Stuart Broad. But I was intrigued by what he mentioned about the hundred. I agree with him. I think. It, it, it is a clutching at straws. They want to try and reinvent the wheel. They want to try and change a few things. All these out stuff. It's it seems to be like it's like your your granddad turned up in a in a, in a new trendy shirt and a, and a pair of jeans, which just doesn't look right. To be fair, I think that's <laughs> where I'd describe that point. We've got the the right format. Twenty twenty works. Why don't we just have a franchise? Twenty twenty. I'd imagine there were some hurdles that had to jump through to get to that point. So they had to go to the hundred first. He was he had a little digger. You know, the the auction and some of the older players not being picked up. And I think that's, he's got a valid point. I mean, I, I think he's a, he's still good enough to get a gig in the 100. Um, 
still competent enough bowler. He got you know four or five wickets this week, sixty odd to win a game, chasing three thirty. Showed his experience, especially with no Dom Sibley as well, so they're effectively eight down. Um, and he got he got his team over the line. So yeah, there's still a lot of mileage left in Tim Bresnan. Um, and I still think there's there's one or two older players that didn't get picked up in the hundred that probably should have. And I think that was the point that Brezzi was trying to make, and he made it very very well. It's not it's not a one off. I mean, he's he's been winning matches for Warwickshire ever since he moved, uh, and yeah. he's scoring scoring a lot of runs as well. Do you think that uh, there's anybody at Yorkshire thinking what on earth did we let him go for? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened at Yorkshire because he seemed to go on low and then he went. On a, on a full contract. So that seems to mean that there possibly was a, an issue between either in the dressing room or higher above and the, at a board level that the possibly the length of contract that we're going to look at Tim Bresnan because of the age. But he's a fantastic cricketer, still is, and he will be. You know, we, we spoke to the evergreen Darren Stevens last week at 45. I don't see Tim Bresnan playing at 45, <laughs> but I do see Tim Bresnan still ticking wickets and still scoring runs. For a few years yet, so Yorkshire's miss out, and it's a it's a huge gain for 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 Paul Fabris, as director of cricket, and the Warwickshire Cricket Club, because when you've got somebody as experienced as Tim Bresnan, the character that the guy is, and he's uh, and he's never said that Yorkshire grit and attitude, you know, you're onto a winner, and he certainly showed that this week, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Warwickshire go this week against, um, I think they go against Essex, so you know, top of the table clash. And just to mention that uh, the spinners um, in on dry pitches this year, Danny Briggs took four for 68 for Warwickshire there. And also, Tim Bresnan, 68 not out, got the team over the line. But um, just honourable mention quickly to uh, Ollie Stone, who uh, made 43, batting at number nine. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a big, big call. As you said, they were effectively eight down um, when they chased down 333. Great effort. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Next up, we'll discuss a good week for some of the England players with Joe Root and Ollie Pope, both scoring centuries. You're listening to TalkSport 2. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including 
England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show so far or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available on the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to some of the games we haven't looked at um, and also the performances of uh, some of the, the England players. Uh, and we have to start with Joe Root, don't we? Obviously, with uh, Yorkshire winning by 200 runs and the England captain scoring 100. So, um, it's, so he didn't score 100 in round one. And people were saying, oh, what's wrong with Joe Root? <laughs> it's one game. <laughs> and it's, it's taken him two games to score 100. Yeah, two games to score 100. It was always, yeah, like we mentioned last week, man, as it was, they probably just rocked up day before, day before the, uh, the, the first class match not had much of a net and it was going to be game two, three, four for these England players who have been away all winter to really hit their straps and no doubt the England captain class will always come through and he, he, he duly obliged with 100 and another another player who, you know, we've talked, I've talked many times about players getting picked for England who probably before their time are better players four or five years after they've played international cricket or been discarded from international cricket and Adam Live is definitely one of them because Adam Live has got 97 in the first innings, 116 in the second innings. Um, and that second innings, 330 for five, Root and Live. I've played alongside both of them in my brief stint at Yorkshire. Two great lads and two lads who do bounce off well together. Both run well between the wickets, left hand, right hand combination. Um, they're a difficult duo to bowl to when they get going. They've scored lottery runs for Yorkshire, and it's great to see the England captain three figures and scoring runs for Yorkshire again. Uh, it's just a pity there's no, nobody there. But again, it was uh, a, a quiet day for, for, for Zach Crawley, who was in that game. We talked about Darren Stevens last week, 52 and 40-odd not out at the end. He got a 4-4. He didn't quite get the England captain. But you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of people down at, at Canterbury who you know, would have really, really enjoyed watching um, and Joe Root bat and put a masterclass on because by all accounts, that's what it was. It was a great 100 by the England captain. It's also great to see so many results and so many games going to the fourth day. Warwickshire and Essex, top of Group 1. Um, in the middle, in third and fourth place, Derby and Worcester. They, uh, Derbyshire and Worcestershire, um, they drew. Uh, they, it was the only draw of the round, I think, wasn't it? Um, uh, so, um, who stood out for you there? The Derby-Worcester game was, it's crazy. How can this guy not win the, not win the game? Um, Matt Critchley, he's only 24 year old. I thought I actually thought he was a little bit older than that. I had to look. I thought he was just a little bit older than that. But now he's he's 24 year old, young man from Derby, 109 in the first innings. Then goes and gets a five for 67. Then gets 84 to set his team up, and he, he got three out of the the eight wickets that they needed to knock Worcester over. Couldn't quite get over the line, but 
Uh, if you get nearly 200 runs in eight wickets in a, in a match, you'd like to think you'd be on the winning <laughs> side. So, well done, Matt, Matt Critchley. But unfortunately, the, the, it was one of the, the, the two drawn games. It's a tough, tough group. We've talked about Essex, Durham. We've talked about Warwickshire, Nottingham. Most of the Derby are probably going to be, no disrespect to them, the poorer relations in that group. But, you know, Critchley did well for Derby and, you know, 24-year-old. You know, there, there might be a few people having a look at that. OK, um, let's go to Group 2. We've spoken about Gloucestershire. Um, the, Gloucestershire and Hampshire are the only two teams to win both their opening games. We haven't spoken about Hampshire much. Gloucestershire have done well, um, done extremely well. <laughs> They're in second place on 44 points. Hampshire just two above them. They've uh, had a couple of massive wins, Hampshire. They're looking, they're looking like quite a force. They're looking as though they've got runs in their, in their outfit. You know, we talked about events getting the runs last week. Um, but Northeast, while you've got some like Sam Northeast and Young Holland, who got a massive hundred in the second innings, you know, 146 not out to set his team up to get in a position to to give you know Middlesex no chance of winning the game. And when you've got someone like Mohamed Abbas, who showed at Leicester what a fantastic bowler he is, we've all seen what he's like for for Pakistan. Not somebody who bowls at an express pace, a million mile an hour. He runs up and bowls about 80 mile an hour, but hits the seam. And tech, the, the test of technique, talk about Anderson in this country, Jimmy Anderson, being the best exponent at you know, really challenging the batsman's technique. And if the technique is not up to the standard, it should be, they'll make a peer, make a peer. And to be fair, I think he had, I think he had five wickets and 13 balls. He got a hat-trick at Mohamed Abbas, six for 11 to bowl Middlesex out for 79. Um, and he got three wickets in the second innings, um, which is great start for Hampshire. Fantastic start for Hampshire because... You know, we talk about trying to work out what the rules are and how you get into the top division and try and get to the Bob Willis final. Um, Hampshire will probably be one of the top two teams in that group um, and they're getting off to a, to a great start. So, you know, Mohamed Abbas is a fantastic bowler on any given surface uh, because he, he, he bowls the seam bolt upright. Um, and you've got a batting line up the likes of Vince and Northeast and Dawson a little bit further down. Um, Hampshire are the real deal this year, and they'll 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 take some beating. Surrey and uh, Somerset uh, are in third and fourth place in, in Group Two. Somerset had a strange one, haven't they? Uh, incredible win in the first round, and then uh, lost in the the second round to uh, to a very strong, very well performing Gloucestershire team. Surrey, that Surrey Leicester game, by the way. Um, you said that you called it last week. You said it would be high scoring. Leicester must have been thinking uh, they'd done all right with 375. Um, Surrey then <laughs> replied with 672. Ollie Pope's 245. Ben Folks made runs as well, 87. It was obviously a, bit of a flat one at the uh, Kier Oval, wasn't it? Yeah, there's not much. There's not much rain going around down south. There's a little bit up north, but not much down south. The wickets are good. The wickets are flat and good for the you know the England players who have yeah, class comes through. Class will shine through. We talked about the the Joe Root England captain on the good wickets. They will shine through and nothing more class than than Ollie Pope, fantastic young batsman, somebody who has had. Can we see a, a uh, not a difficult winter, but a one uh, an educating winter? I would say for Ollie Pope. Coming back from the injury, not getting the volume of runs that he wanted in India, and he needed to come back. I, I don't think there's any question on Ollie Pope's place because I think you have to stick by the young man. He's a fantastically talented boy, but he needed a score, and he's now got himself a massive score, um, which will give him huge confidence. Sorry, dressing room, huge confidence. 
but they didn't get themselves over the line. So that, for me, when it comes to the top two teams in each group going through to Division One and potentially playing the Lords final, you know, you've got to try and win cricket matches. And unfortunately, um, Surrey just couldn't get themselves in a position to to win the game. And we talked about Leicester and apologies a little bit if I was derogatory towards the Leicester last week. But they got they got over the line comfortably for a draw at the oval. You know, 295 for, for three. Not really in any danger, really, of losing the game. So it's a draw with honours, isn't it? It's a draw with honours, yeah, definitely. It's a good draw from a going away from home against one of the big boys, four or five England potential players or current players playing. No, it's a it's a good draw. As I got, what did he get? 144 not out in the second innings. Evans 138 in the first innings. Paul Nixon will be very, very happy. And big Steve Harmison just eating a little bit of humble pie there because I thought that was going to be a, a, a messy game for Leicester. But well done to the Leicestershire boys. and It'll give them confidence moving forward. Uh, Jack Leach, none for 121 um, in uh, Somerset's defeat to Gloucestershire. It's, uh, Don Bess also, none for 89. Um, he's, uh, he hasn't taken a wicket yet this season. I mean, I, I'm very, very reluctant to, to pass any kind of judgment Harmy, and I'm sure you feel the same way in many ways after just two games. It's only it's two rounds. I mean, you know, and the spinners have still got cold fingers, although we have had some some warm weather in patches. But um, it just you know, we we're just pointing out that um, they didn't have uh, a very productive time second round. No, they didn't. They haven't, and it would concern me a little bit. I want the volume of overs, so I'm quite happy with the volume of overs for Jack Leach. John Beth, obviously Mo and Ali's over in, in the IPL. They're probably England's first three frontline spinners. The volume of overs, as the closer to the test matches, then you look at the volume of wickets. But at the minute, it's about bowling. You don't see many spinners get wickets in sort of April and May, but we've not really got April and May surface conditions. It'll, it'll be a bit colder, don't get me wrong. It'll be, you know, it's been, it's been chilly, but it's been dry. The ball's been... I would imagine the ball had been turning more than what it would be normally in April and May. So I would imagine there'll be there'll be question marks a little bit on now they've got to start getting wickets. The more overs they get into the under their belt and going. And you you look around and you you go on England Watch and you think, well, England's spin bowling department from the frontline England watch doesn't read that great. And even further down, Mason Crane didn't get a wicket. Verdi got Verdi got four wickets against Leicester, who you'd after getting 600 nods, you'd think a frontline spinner, why is he not bowling them out? Um, especially in dry conditions. Matt Parkinson got six wickets in the match. He bowled an absolute beauty to get rid of Rossington, I think it was. And ab- they were talking about ball of centuries. They're talking about Shane Warne and everything. And looking at it, it was an absolute beauty. It so, pitched outside um, leg and hit the top of off, just like Warne's ball to getting. Absolutely. Um, Rossington's not quite as big as Gat, but still, it was still a, a, a still a, a target to get round. Um, and to be fair, if you're looking at the spin bowling department from the England cupboard, Matt Parkinson's had the best week. He got six, but he looks as though he, he had his team in a, in a position um, and, and, and Lancashire got the win. So from a spin bowling department point of view on England watch, Matt Parkinson was probably the pick of the week. Sussex, Lancashire and Yorkshire played one, drawn one. They're uh, in Group 3. They, they're they're um, just a couple of points apart with uh, Sussex on top, 38 points, Lancashire 37 and uh, Yorkshire 34. Kent, Northampton, Glamorgan, drawn one, lost one each. Surprised that Kent 
have uh, started a bit sluggishly. Yeah, they've come against a good Yorkshire side. That's a very, very good Yorkshire side. You know, Darren Stevens talked last week about the good young players at Kent, and they're going to get better. Young Robinson had a not a bad day behind the stumps and got a, got a few runs, but I, I think it's time for Zach Crawley to stand up now and 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 lead at the top end and get some first innings runs on the board if he wants to sort of push and uh, get himself in a position to be ready for that first test match when, when New Zealand come around. So I think that that is something that Zach will, will want to do and, and Kent will be hoping from their England player because, again, they're getting a score of 260 and 240. But, again, 45-year-old Darren Stevens has, has well, he's got 150 and he's got a, a 40 not out. You can't keep going back to the same person every every time. So, as much as these young players at Kent are have shown a lot of promise, I'm sure the uh, the hierarchy will want to to push them and hopefully start fulfilling it. The Sussex Glamorgan game was an absolute belter. Young Carlson, Kieran Carlson, 22 year old, born in, in in Cardiff, gets 127 and 132. So watch this space on that young man. I don't know anything about him. I really don't. So I'm not going to pass comments about technique or anything like that but I'm just looking at numbers, these numbers look absolutely brilliant against the Sussex side who had Ollie Robinson in, Ollie Robinson's been away a long time with with England this winter he's getting better good good bit of pace, decent bowler, good lines and length, he gets 9 for 78 in the second innings and young Carlson at 22 year old gets 100 in each innings so fair play to that young man and very very well done and to Ollie Robinson because England's bowling stocks. Tim Bresnan has just told us Stuart Broad is bowling fantastically well. Jimmy Anderson hasn't even, he's not got his slippers off yet, but we know Jimmy Anderson is going to be playing first test match. Mark Wood's due to play in the next few weeks. That's where England are very, very strong. But Ollie Robinson's knocking on the door and saying, right, I've had my education in the winter. I want to play cricket for England. And he's got nine foot 78 in the second, <laughs> the second innings against Glamorgan to win Sussex again. Yeah, fair play to the boy. Well done. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. In the final part of the show, we'll round up the week's other big news um, and discuss uh, the standout performances, other more standout performances from round two of the championship. You're listening to TalkSport 2. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. In the final part of the programme, we'll discuss uh, some of the other big stories of the week outside the Championship. In fact, just before we uh, go on to the IPL and other news, top three performances of the week uh, for you, Harmy, in round two of the Championship. I think the top, top three performances, I would say, you know, young Carlson's got to be close to, to one of them, 22-year-old, 127, 120. 32. I have to, I've got actually four because Ollie Pope's got to be in there for 245. You know, it's a fantastic number. Huge concentration levels. Critchley, we talked about what he did, 100 in the first and ended at five. For, I might, for me, they're the, the top performances, but the best performance of the week. To get nine for in an innings is something special, uh, especially when you're an up and coming wanting to knock on an England door. And um, I think he booted it in. Down, uh, down at Glamorgan uh, this week. Ollie Robinson for Sussex got them in a position to win the match. So nine for seventy-six, I think it was, 
that for me is my performance of the week because knowing as a bowler myself how hard it is to get a bag of wickets, but to go on and get nine, I think that is uh, that is a special performance. So Ollie Robinson's my performance of the week. Can't disagree with that. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, nine for us. Uh, uh, that that pips two hundred and forty-five. I think I think a nine yeah. for is more like a three hundred. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a better big bag of wickets that in one go. Yeah. Okay. How good is it to see Moeen Ali not just playing in the IPL, but being given a prominent role with the ball and batting at three for the Chennai Super Kings, who've um, lost their first game but have come back with thrashing wins in uh, in in the next two uh, games. Um, they were the they finished with the wooden spoon last year, but um, they've invested a lot of well money, obviously <laughs> in Moen, but but faith as well, and he's repaying it in spades. Yeah, that's that's what Moen's about. Moen's a fantastic cricketer. He is an absolute diamond of a cricketer. And we get, actually, I know him, I've known Moen since, you know, a very, very, very young age. He's the same age as my younger brother who played a lot of under-19 stuff with him. So I've seen Moen Ali's career develop. I don't believe England have appreciated Moen as much as they should have um, over the course of the years that he's played. Because the guy's stats are phenomenal. You know, he gets runs down the bottom of the order. And to see him do well in the IPL, for me, is absolutely brilliant. You know, he is, again, like I said, I think he's underappreciated sometimes from an England point of view. Probably not from the team, but from the outside and people watching. Um, I don't think we realise how good a cricketer this guy is and what he does to the balance of, of, the, of the England side. So to see, and we've talked about this a lot, man, is when you, you get a, an overseas player, who doesn't fit for that franchise? It is very, very difficult. It's very demoralising. It's very you're not going to get a game here, there, and everywhere. If you are one of the ones that gets the right franchise and given the right opportunities, given the right chance to flourish, then it is brilliant. We had that Chennai last year with Sam Curran. We've had that this year now with Moen Ali. Um, and for every Moen Ali, there is a, a Tom Curran or you know or a, or a Chris Wokes is getting a game, but he, he didn't a couple of years ago. So Sam Billen's the same. So if you're at the right franchise and you're given a chance to, to, to show, then um, yeah, the international cricketers, they will stand up. And that's what Mo and Ali have done. And I am so pleased for the kid because we, he is our best spinner, bar none. But best option for England in every format, red ball format, white ball format. Yes, even though Adil takes loads of wickets in the white ball format, the combination between the two and the way Mo and Ali just holds one end up, uses experience and defends and lets Adil attack, for me, is what makes that partnership good. So to see Mo in play and perform the way he does, it's brilliant. And Ben Stokes, obviously, is out for 12 weeks. Um, it was quite a surprise to see him on the sidelines in uh, Rajasthan Royals' last game. He was uh, there cheering the boys on. But I believe that... Was he was he just staying in India in order to have the surgery to have the finger repaired and then uh, and then head head back? I'm not actually sure what the the basically that that diary plan was. I, I'm assuming Ben might have had some contractual obligations that he might have had to do. I'm just guessing it because I've not spoke to Ben. And then he's he's come. I think he is home now. They were looking to keep him there for another week, possibly because of what Ben Stokes is, what the IPL is, and there's things that I would imagine contractually you'd have to have done and fulfilled to, to sort of, to you know, from, from a Rajasthan point of view. But there's also India's now gone on the, on the red list. So I would imagine that 
any decision to keep him there, prolonged to keep him there any longer, would have been quickly kiboshed and he had to get back because the last thing he would want to do is be in, in a quarantine without having the finger operation because the most important thing for England is to get Ben Stokes back fit as quickly as we can. But for me, as a pure selfish terms and nothing against you fans of Rajasthan Royals, it's not a bad thing for England that Ben Stokes comes out, has 12 weeks off, and by the time he's ready to play against India again with the Red Bull, he's got six, eight months of unbelievable competitive cricket. And he's fresh-minded, ready to go, chomping at the bit. Does it get any better for England fans? Because your Premier player and Premier all-rounder is desperate to get at what will be you know, a ridiculously competitive time for English cricket. India at home doesn't get any bigger than that. And then you go to the Ashes, the ultimate from an English cricket fan. So from a selfish point of view, I know he's going to go through a bit of pain and a bit of surgery, but I'm not bothered. He's having 12 weeks off now and I'm ready for, hopefully ready for, for India and the Aussies when they come around later on with a little bit of a World Cup T20 in a minute. I must say, um, I've spoken to a couple of uh, players in India and, and, and coaches and support staff and they, they are very aware uh, that, that India is recording upwards of two hundred thousand cases of covid per day yeah at the moment um and there must be a lot on their mind uh really Absolutely. um so so yeah good good on let's hope ben makes it back safely um now finally some sad news heath streak is hmm. uh, uh an uh, not just an icon of zimbabwe cricket he's um he was an inspiration to generations of of players outside of zimbabwe and he's been banned from the game for eight years, banned from all aspects of the game. He's been uh, coaching for the last decade or so for, well, he's been banned by the anti-corruption unit for the supply of information to um, bookmakers and, and gamblers. I expect that came as a massive shock to you, Harmi, as it did to many hundreds of thousands of cricket lovers. Absolutely, Manners. I was devastated when I heard that. I really was. We are on this programme to call out. We don't want to see any undue towards stuff go to the game of cricket he's been banned and rightly so because it's something that shouldn't happen in the game and we don't know the ins and outs of the of where his street mind was one other thing i will say is he was my hero growing up along with the likes of darren goff and the, and the other two great walsh and ambrose bowlers from 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 the west indies he was he's a little bit older than me somebody i watched a lot on tv um and fortunately to play alongside i uh, play against him to meet him socially out in Zimbabwe on that 99 air tour, I think it was that we were on. Fantastic man, great guy, true competitor. Wow, what a competitor, whether it was bat lower down the order or ball, because he carried Zimbabwe along with the two Flower Brothers, Alistair Campbell, during that time. It was a great time for, for Zimbabwe cricket. But if you do something wrong, you get banned and punished, and, and rightly so from that point of view. But I didn't see that coming. Somebody who you know I grew up watching and thought, you know, very, very high hero status when he was, and and it is sad to see, and yourself, man, as you, you live in that part of, live in that part of the world, and not only is there a knock-on effect because it's Heath Streak and it's Zimbabwe cricket, but Heath Streak, from a family point of view, he's got a big organisation there, and it's, it's something that will possibly hit that, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right, I mean, he's, um, I don't think there's any cricketer who's ever gone to Zimbabwe to play at domestic or international level who hasn't spent some time on the Heath Street Game Farm Ranch um, just outside of uh, Bulawayo. It's, um, 
it employs over 100, 100 people um, on, on the farm. They've got beautiful accommodation units and it's a costly exercise. And I can assure you that um, Heath Streak hasn't been coaching um, Bangladesh Premier League, Afghanistan Premier League, IPL. He hasn't been, and the Zimbabwe national team. He hasn't been coaching for the last decade for the, for, purely for the love of it. Um, he's been uh, supplementing the farm, the game farm, and, and the, the people who work on it, their employees. And an eight-year ban is going to have catastrophic effects, not just uh, for, for the Streak family, um, but uh, for, for, the, for many, many, many other people. He's made an awful mistake. He's going to have to live with it for the rest of his life, and the consequences will be absolutely dire. But, you know, we, we, we all make mistakes, and we we pay for them and you know mm. some of us have to remember them for the rest of our lives as well yeah absolutely yeah oh Hami, yes uh, sad news but let's look ahead to next week's fixtures very very quickly just pick out a couple um they're available for everyone to uh, to to have a look at they can uh, i'm sure they know exactly who their own team is playing but which three stand out for you just quickly um, I'm looking at Warwick Essex. We've talked about the two two guys on the show so far, Bresnan and McGrath, you know, coach of Essex. That them two are going head to head. The Lords, the Lords, London Derby, Middlesex, uh, Surrey. The one that's going to intrigue me, and I hope he's playing because I know he's played two back to back games. The England captain is going to go up against Ollie Robinson, who we've just given performance of the week to, down at down at Sussex. And Ollie Robinson wants to play for England. He's going to knock the door down. Let's see what happens. Next week, hopefully, we're going to see a good contest between bat and ball. Ollie Robinson has given it everything he possibly has to show the England captain why he should be playing international cricket. And the England captain might just, you know, look across to the young man and say, well, maybe you're not quite ready if you can't bowl to me if he gets another 100. So that's what's going to intrigue me come next week, man, is the, the Sussex-Yorkshire game is the one I'm going to be watching out for. Brilliant. Thanks, Army. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast, now available on the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening once again to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 